I welcome this opportunity to speak to the people of America about a subject which I believe to be most important, and that is the subject of physical fitness. A country uh, is as strong, really, as its citizens, and I think that mental and physical health go hand in hand. There is nothing, uh, I think, uh, more unfortunate than to have uh, soft, chubby, fat-looking children. I hope that all of you will join and everybody in the United States to make sure that our children participate fully in a vigorous and adventurous life, which is possible for them in this very rich country. There's been a 50% decline in sperm counts in uh, the last 40 years, along with a precipitous decline in testosterone production. We're headed for a calamity, and that's not hyperbole, it's not exaggeration, it's just a mathematical fact. Would you recommend uh, young men to tan their balls? To what? times well hard iron sharpens iron as they say and those hard times inevitably produce men who are tough men who are resourceful men who are strong enough to survive and then they go on to re-establish order and so the cycle begins again civilization is like a woman wooed She's won by the love of the strong man and lost by the impotence of the weak one. The Greeks called this anacyclosis, the life cycle of any society. In a golden age, heroic leaders pursue transcendent goals, something bigger than themselves. They overcome challenge after challenge, and then they win. Then, surrounded by the wealth and the comfort they have won, they lose their life force. They become confused and isolated. They lose faith in themselves, and the civilization they've created begins to decline. Author C.S. Lewis warned of a West that one day would be filled with what he called men without chests. We see that prophecy coming true today. We call them less poetically man boobs. They're a physical manifestation of something bigger, the decline of manhood, of virility, of physical health, all of which together threaten to doom our civilization. Testosterone levels in American men are declining by about 10% per decade, 1% a year. Sperm counts have plummeted 50% in the last 40 years. If that trend continues, we won't simply be weaker than our grandfathers. We won't have grandchildren of our own. Civilizational decline is not inevitable. We don't have to be the spectators of our own defeat. We choose this road, not just for ourselves, but for our children. So we have a responsibility to enter into the arena and make America healthy again. We just need the motivation. Chop, chop, chop. When you get to the cone, push off your outside foot, change directions. The motivation factor for young men Much better, boys. is to have a physical challenge that demands developing mental stability. Chop, chop, chop. There you go. And if you don't set that up for our young men, our boys, they won't develop properly. Ron Jones is a historian, a PE teacher, and the curator of the La Parati Archive, which is a remarkable film collection. The archive gives a glimpse into a country that was and still could be. You've probably heard that American kids are getting soft. The marshmallow generation, some people call them. Well, these are American kids you're watching. The group of high school boys who just happen to be in the same physical education program. They attend La Sierra High School in Carmichael, California. La Sierra High School was really, it was the last great PE program in America. And it was put together by Coach Stan Laprati in the late 50s. Advancement depends exclusively on performance. The teachers designed it that way, and they say it's a key to the system's success. These boys strove for excellence. In Greek, they called the word arete, 
It means striving for excellence. And that's how the program was set up. It was that reaching for something higher. Every boy has an opportunity in this program to advance on the team, blue team, red team, gold team. By the way, to be a Navy Blue at La Sierra High School, you have to be able to uh, do a man lift and carry of a boy 10 pounds within your own body weight and carry him five miles without letting his feet touch the ground. If you raise the bar, the kids will generally reach up for it. And if you lower the bar, they'll generally go down lower. Ron Jones found a rare film of one man who wanted to take the standards set by the La Parati program at La Sierra and apply it to the entire country. Now imagine me, like, rolling the film and seeing this in the headshot, and, like, no one had seen it before. No one that I knew had ever seen this. I welcome this opportunity to speak to the people of America about a subject which I believe to be most important, and that is the subject of physical fitness. JFK, he wanted all schools in America to model after La Sierra. Um, it was so important and we didn't do it. We've got more and more stadiums with more and more people sitting and less and less people playing. And most people just see PE as a nuisance and something to cut. And actually it's getting cut left and right because of the pandemic. They're trying to take elementary kids and leave them in a seat eight hours a day, trying to make up for the two years they lost in the pandemic. And the kids are literally losing their minds. And so what's happened is we have generations of young people now that they don't even know how to walk. Literally, I'm not exaggerating. We can't do what La Sierra boys did 50 plus years ago. Athletic lean males today are having erectile dysfunction issues, so something is really wrong with our boys and our young men. Really wrong. A country uh, is as strong, really, as its citizens. And I think that mental and physical health, mental and physical vigor, go hand in hand. He knew about that the, the strength of a nation depends on the strength of its men. And not just the men, I mean, the women as well, but let's face it, you have to have strong men. And if you don't, it's not going to go well. People oftentimes ask me, like, why do we get rid of this? I don't have a a logical reason why we got rid of it. Something tells me that something's going on and that somebody wanted us to get rid of it. I hope that all of you will join and everybody in the United States to make sure that our children participate fully in a vigorous and adventurous life which is possible for them in this very rich country of ours. I can't watch it without getting emotional. Still, it's so powerful. That is real leadership. That's what we're missing today. We need a renaissance and we need someone like JFK again. A real man that can stand up and deliver the message without apology. This is a challenge for us all. I'm Robert Kennedy and I am the chairman of Children's Health Defense. RFK Jr. has taken on the fight for the health of America that was started by his uncle, JFK. After JFK's fitness initiative based on the La Party program was scrapped, the country's physical health went down. More and more Americans are now chronically sick, obese, and hormonally imbalanced. But poor diet and lack of exercise are not the only causes of this. A study published in Obesity Research and Clinical Practice found that people today who eat and exercise the same amount as people 30 years ago are still fatter. How is that possible? The answer is simple. Chemical and pharmaceutical companies are poisoning us. Our environment, our water, our food, our air. And they're doing it with the government's help. Well, I spent my career fighting the pharmaceutical industry, the, the chemical industry, you know, the, the capture of the agencies that are supposed to regulate those industries and protect the public from environmental injury. It has not been a good career move, let me put it that way. It's lost me a lot of jobs and a lot of friendships. Powerful corporations are effectively waging chemical warfare on the country and on your body. But you're not allowed to notice this is happening. RFK Jr. is not the only one who's paid a high price for sounding the alarm. Dr. Linda Birnbaum, former head of the National Institute of Environmental Health Sciences, was banned from saying chemical contaminants in the environment, called PFAS, were responsible for a staggering increase in serious diseases, including cancers. Found in everything from firefighting foam to nonstick coatings, PFAS and other chemicals can bind with testosterone receptors inside the cell and disrupt normal function of the hormonal system. These chemicals are linked to grotesque abnormalities in the male reproductive system. That would include smaller penises, lower sperm count, 
lower sperm mobility, and low testosterone. So the end of men has a chemical cause. 40 years as a federal servant, a time of which I am very proud. I serve nobody but the American people. I was dealing with chemicals in the environment that had the potential to harm human health. And I think there were people who were uncomfortable with that message. So there was some pushback. The pushback was immediate. The Department of Health and Human Services required clearance on her lab work. They denied her a salary increase. Reportedly, they tried to have her fired. Now retired, Dr. Birnbaum is free to tell the full truth about what she saw in the lab, what these chemicals do. I think one thing that we need to understand is for many of these compounds, there may not really be a safe level. In practice, studying the effects of these chemicals isn't simple. We have safety data on an incredibly small number of the 85,000 plus chemicals now approved for use in commerce. Why? Well, that's due directly to the influence of companies like agricultural behemoth Monsanto. Monsanto actually had a name for the way that he killed studies, which was called whack-a-mole. And whenever there was a new study that was proposed, they would figure out ways to kill that study. And they had a whole team of people within the federal government whose function it was from Monsanto's point of view and from their own point of view to kill those kinds of studies. You know, there's something like 85,000 synthetic chemicals and they're regulated under a number of federal statutes. The way that those statutes were structured is that the chemical is regarded as innocent until it's proven guilty. I think of the 85,000 chemicals, there are probably fewer than a dozen, maybe two dozen at the most, that have never been removed. There are chemicals called endocrine disrupting chemicals, let's say synthetic chemicals that can impact our hormone systems, and some of them appear to actually have the ability to cause, let's at least say, decreased fertility. There's clear evidence in wildlife that the increase in some of these chemicals causes infertility. And there is a, uh, a brilliant zoologist named Lou Gillette, who unfortunately passed away several years ago, um, who studied alligators. And there's a lake in Florida called Lake Apopka. And he was able to show that the alligators, the male alligators had TMEs, and they had problems in their hormone levels, problems with reproduction. And they were that was related to some pesticides that were had been released and gotten into the lake and impacted the, the alligators. Most of the chemicals, the synthetic chemicals that we look at, they're blocking the testosterone system and have been associated with lower levels of testosterone in the population. During development, hormonal changes are not reversible. It's really a demasculinization of the male fetus that can occur from hormones or chemicals that basically suppress the testosterone in utero, hypospadias, which is where the urethra does not exit at the tip of the penis, but somewhere along the shaft, even along the way back. And then the other thing is, is problems with sperm. In Western nations, there's been a 50% decline in sperm counts in uh, the last 40 years, along with a precipitous decline in testosterone production. So, and it's not only the sperm quantity, but it's also the sperm quality are declining precipitously and we're losing, we continue to lose about 1% per year. So you can do the math, we're at it for a calamity. And that's not hyperbole, it's not exaggeration, it's just a mathematical fact. And the, you know, this is a chemical warfare on our country. And how are we exposed? It's gotten into the drinking water or it can be in a food, in consumer products, in many plastics. So we've got a wide range of potential exposure. They're really persistent chemicals. They essentially will never leave our environment. Some of them are also very, very persistent in us. And so pretty much everyone walking around today has some PFAS in their blood as well. We 
created a life of such technology that now literally everything around us has endocrine disrupting chemicals in it. And there's nothing that we can do to eliminate EDCs in our lives. There's a whole lot of things we can do to mitigate the impact of EDCs in our life. And I think that's what we encourage our clients to do. Go! I'm Andrew Govern, personal training leader. I'm Gage Corns. I'm a fitness professional. Getting into a healthier state, being a healthier person, we have to do that through raising testosterone. T-maxing, testosterone maxing. There are many, many ways to boost testosterone. We eliminate anything that has parabens, phthalate, BPA, like plastics in our house, no fragrances. Keep it simple. It's move more. Get outside, spend some time in the sun, get some vitamin D. Get quality meats, quality whole foods, sleep, strength training. Picking something hard to do every day will increase your testosterone. Uh, my name is Jonathan Draney. I would describe myself as being depressed before. We have this farm, this homestead, and before, if I had a really long day at work, I would just come home and just feel like I needed to take a nap. Doing all of the things that can boost and raise my testosterone, I do feel more motivated, a lot less stressed over the little stuff. I feel like you can judge a man by the size of thing that upsets him. I don't feel like that type of thing happens anymore. I think when your hormones are balanced, you are not this aggressive uh, person. You are a person who seeks to serve others. You're a person who seeks to transform others. We're designed to do hard things, um, especially as a man. And it's like a, a theme in our department of do hard things and comfort kills. I've tried to set that example for my children. And it's fun to have my wife look at me like she hasn't looked at me in a long time. It's like, you know? <laughs> You have to be willing to try it. You have to be willing to go through that experiment. If America's establishment wants to regain the trust of the country, and it must, it has to do something real to fight this country's most serious health crises, and that begins with the terrifying drop in testosterone levels and sperm counts. But in the rest of the country, there's a growing movement of Americans who are looking affirmatively for ways to get healthy, to balance their hormones, to regain their fertility. Effectively, they're experimenting on themselves, and they're sharing the results online. They call themselves bro scientists, half-joking we met some of them at a ranch outside of Austin, Texas, to see what they're doing. Bro science, to me, is based on uh, actual published studies, um, but a lot of it is, is self-experimentation. You know, there are very few, if any, peer-reviewed, double-blind studies to answer the kind of questions most bros want to know. So instead, we just have to rely on our own experience. So the big divide between bros and scientists or doctors would be this. A real scientist, and most doctors aren't real scientists, would say your testosterone level is going to decline by 5 or 10% every decade, and this is just the way it is. This is your body, and this is how it works, right? Well, of course your muscle mass goes down with age because most people aren't active. Most people are just at a fault. Of course your VO2 max, which is a cardiorespiratory function, of course it goes down because you're not doing anything, right? So bro science is proscriptive. Bros treat aging as a condition that should be militated against and that's due to the belief that your body is something that can be fixed or repaired to some degree and, and through self-experimentation i cleaned up a lot of skin issues by removing gluten from my diet and that's just one example because it doesn't work for me another example is the raw egg thing um i'm, I'm a faithful raw egg slonker thank you to the raw egg nationalists for for preaching that gospel to all of us out there if the bro scientists have a spiritual leader it would be a man who calls himself raw egg nationalist here's his message the enemy today is what i like to call soy globalism the globalist aim is to destroy nations and local communities, and they do this by isolating communities and sickening them through food, and also through so-called medicine, and all the dreadful chemicals we're exposed to on a daily basis. The globalists want you to be fat, sick, depressed, and isolated. The better to control you and to milk you for as much economic value as they can before they kill you. That's soy globalism in a nutshell. Own nothing, live in the pod, eat the soy. 
The best response to this is a strong politics of nationalism. The nation is only as strong as the individuals who make it up. And that's where raw eggs come in. Eggs are a superfood packed with protein, fats, vitamins, minerals, and anabolic cholesterol. The absolute opposite of the disgusting rubbish that the globalists want to eat. Eggs are cheap, can't patent an egg. By making the individual strong, you make the nation strong. I'm raw egg nationalist. I'm an Anon right-wing bodybuilder, and I dispense red pill fitness and health information to the masses. Why should somebody believe me? Well, I'm just channeling the wisdom of the ancients, really. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a vessel. Raw eggs were, once upon a time, uh, an essential part of the bodybuilder's diet. And that was due to a man called Vince Gironda, who was a, who was a bodybuilding maverick. Vince Gironda advocated um, consuming large quantities of raw eggs as an alternative to taking steroids. He did a lot of scientific research, and he was aware of that Burns victims, once upon a time, were treated with a daily dose of 36 eggs, mainly raw. Burns victims would later be given anabolic steroids instead of this egg diet. It's the cholesterol, above all, in the eggs that, that, that has an anabolic effect, like steroids. Fast forward to today, various different scientists are now are now proving that actually cholesterol has a very, very important role if you want to maintain normal testosterone. Do you want to run? So you need to eat cholesterol. And that means eggs, that means butter, that means red meat, organ meat, eating liver, drinking raw milk, eating raw milk products, unpasteurized cheese. And this is substantiated in all sorts of studies, for instance, that have shown that eating a low-fat vegetarian diet is about the worst thing that you can do. It just tanks your testosterone. I've tried at various times to sleep on the floor, but it's, uh, it's a bit too much for me. Cold showers are supposed to have various hormonal effects. It's, it's interesting, there's a kind of schism actually on right-wing Twitter about you're either sunning your balls or you're freezing your balls. My name on Twitter is Benjamin Braddock. I'm a right-wing bro scientist. And yes, I tan my balls. The bro science behind ball tanning is... Uh, Generally, that uh, yeah, it feels good, so do it. The bro science behind it is based on uh, you know, very real science that's emerging, and that's uh, the benefits of red light therapy. You know, our cells respond differently to certain wavelengths of light, and red light it penetrates much deeper into the body. And the effect of red light is to increase the cell's energy. So there are trials right now to actually treat Parkinson's disease. Why you would want to use uh, you know, red light therapy on your balls and the cells in your testicles are what create testosterone, the latex cells. So by increasing the cellular health of your testes, you know, you're increasing the function of what they do. A big part of that is producing testosterone. I've had an interest in health and fitness for quite a while now. You know, as a teenager who had gotten to the point of a uh, type 2 diabetes diagnosis by the age of 19, got into sports, started eating right. I mean, the thing I learned was, you know, it's really when you start getting these toxic cooking oils, you know, out of your diet, that's when you really start to see uh, the most dramatic improvement. <laughs> Seed oils are very high in something called omega-6 fats. In excess, omega-6 fats are associated with inflammatory and testosterone-lowering diseases such as diabetes. One study of rats in the Journal of Toxicological Sciences found that soybean and canola oil significantly lowered testosterone levels. The anti-seed oil movement has exploded online. What's wrong with our food is that uh, it's not food. Uh, seed oils, vegetable oil, uh, everything under that sort of vegetable oil category um, is all new uh, and reliant on industrial processes to, to extract. My, my rule of thumb is just, is this something that occurs naturally, that doesn't need an industrial process to bring it about? William Wheelwright, uh, at Plowman's Folly on Twitter. Uh, what's high testosterone about? Regenerative farming 
it's about mimicking the patterns that we find in nature. And ultimately, this is what leads us to, to the highest degree of you know, vitality and strength. You know, not all, not all beef is created equal. Not all chicken is created equal. Think about a cow living in a big factory, never moving, eating God only knows what, um, genetically modified ingredients, things they're not even meant to eat, uh, injected with massive amount of hormones, uh, chemicals from the factory itself. Uh, versus a cow who's living outside as nature intended, getting sunlight on it, consuming the grass, the nutrients that nature is providing, digesting all of that for us, and then we get the benefit from that. And like, I would much rather eat a humanely raised animal than an animal who's been abused its whole life, right? Uh, and so I only eat uh, grass-fed, pasture-raised animals. And I encourage all of our clients to do the same. I think it's the right thing to do, both for the animal and for themselves. Nowadays, in 2022, what being right-wing means is just someone who believes that uh, there's such a thing as like the natural order. The world and the media have actually demonized doing things naturally, and that includes the natural way of eating, breastfeeding, we've demonized natural birth, we've demonized natural birth control, it's, it's the war against nature. The end of men means the end of women too. Men and women need each other on every level, beginning with the most basic biology. If the species is to continue, both sexes must be healthy. So not surprisingly, there is a female branch of growth science, young women exploring ways to fight infertility and improve their overall health. Mel Brown is known online as Tiger Lily, where she promotes a return to a more natural way of living. Tiger Lily's skepticism of mainstream health advice stems from personal experience. She long dealt with a thyroid disease stemming from a hormonal imbalance that she believes was a result of endocrine-disrupting chemicals. Before I even knew about um, endocrine-disrupting chemicals, I was suffering from a hormonal imbalance. It just wrecked my body. I got super underweight. I mean, I was 90 pounds. It was, it was horrible. And my hair started falling out. And I was having crazy panic attacks, but I, I knew it wasn't a mental thing because I'd never struggled with anxiety ever in my life. I knew it was a symptom because my body was also showing other symptoms. And so I went to the doctor like one would, and the very first solution that I was given was, oh, you're depressed, let's give you Prozac and let's give you Xanax. At that point, I just said, that's not the route I'm gonna go down. I've seen what can happen when you're on SSRIs long-term. So I just went on this journey of low toxins and just being as natural as possible and, and eating pesticide-free food and doing things that would benefit my body and my body healed. If we don't have a healthy woman, we can't have a healthy child, we can't have healthy men. Breastfeeding is a very polarizing conversation because there are women that can't breastfeed. That will always be a thing. And so we are thankful for formula. But in the United States, if you look what is in formula, it's shocking. It is corn syrup solids and babies don't have fully formed kidneys, so they can't detox like a grown adult could. Baby formula in the United States contains large amounts of corn syrup and other ingredients that may disrupt hormonal function. Consuming those ingredients at a young age can permanently affect gender development. So we're setting them up for failure before they're even walking. We are putting a dent in their fertility. If men can't reproduce, then the world's over. It's, it's the end of man. Our children are swimming in a toxic soup and no one seems to care. Post-pandemic, fewer and fewer Americans trust the science. Why? Well, many have come to believe that government, corporations, and health professionals aren't really looking out for them. Dr. Paul Turek of the Turek Clinics is one of the few who seems to understand the stakes involved. My name is Dr. Paul Turek. I'm director of the Turek Clinics, which are men's health centers in San Francisco and Los Angeles. And some people call me the sperm whisperer. I think young men in America are probably one of the most underserved populations in the nation. And it's sad. They have a pediatrician until they're 16 in general in America, a developed country. And then their care drops off the face of the earth until either they're in pain or their life is threatened. And I have tried to battle that for years, change the culture. Dr. Tarek understands that shaming men about their concerns about low testosterone and low sperm count prevents them from getting the help they need. Authorities would rather make fun of them than help. 
and they'll, they, they go for care for that and they'll get ignored because maybe they're told they should deal with it or that's what it's like. You just have to listen, really, to young men and give them a ground and let them be, legitimize their, their complaints, whether they're real or not, whether you can define them or not or solve them or not. When the authorities stop doing their jobs, citizens have no choice but to fill the gap. No one in Washington seems interested at all in why testosterone levels are dropping. It's a joke to them. Just watch the reaction to the preview of this episode. I gotta say, coming from a Fox News anchor, that is a refreshing and positive celebration of homoeroticism. Good for you, fellas. Good for you. Why are they all naked? This doesn't make any sense. Okay, this trip into Tuckum's dreamscape is absurd. I mean, Tesla Channing, you can't watch that and not see how homoerotic it is. It's a pretty blatant fascist posturing. So if men want to stay male, they must be fascists and also gay. That's what the media tells you. If you care about your health, if you want to stay fit, you must be a right-wing extremist because good people are fat and passive. This is a slur that is used to prevent healthy forms of male association so that even basic friendship is now suspect. Masculinity as a result has retreated into pathetic spaces like the man cave. So if you're a man and you want to get together to do anything other than watch a sports game and get intoxicated and eat wings with women with boobs hanging out, then you can do that. I call it bacon and boobies masculinity. That's the only permissible expression of masculinity. The recent attacks, these are coming regularly now from the, the regime media, is going to the gym is far-right behavior. Physical culture is far-right behavior. Well-ordered, disciplined groups of men bound by friendship are dangerous precisely because of what they can do. They can upset the status quo just like that. A few hundred men can conquer an entire empire. So that's why they want you to be sick, depressed, and isolated. You want to demoralize the people. You want them emasculated. You want them to create no threat to the ruling regime. They haven't thought it through, right? Increasingly large numbers of men are dropping out and ceasing to be men and ceasing to do the, the necessary things that, that, that men must do. Those kinds of societies obviously become weak and ripe for dissolution. Things are going to get worse before they get better. How much worse isn't exactly clear. But I think we've had intimations over the past couple of years, especially with the 2020 mostly peaceful riots, people are realizing, I think, that they're not where they need to be if they want to survive, if they want to continue to live a fulfilling life, if they want to protect not only themselves, but their families and their friends and their way of life. Once a society collapses, then you're in hard times. Well, iron and sharp as iron, as they say. Those hard times inevitably produce men who are tough, men who are resourceful, men who are strong enough to survive. And then they go on to re-establish order, and so the cycle begins again.